Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that any time you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Today, I'll be reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is, who is above all and through all and in you all. I read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Amen. Good morning, church. It is good to see you all today, and what a blessing it is to be with beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, and to have the opportunity to stand, uh, as I am regularly blessed with that opportunity to preach the Word. Very, very grateful for this opportunity. Um, Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the term buzzword. All right, that's uh, the majority of you that have heard of the term buzzword. Has nothing to do with drugs and alcohol. Let me clear that out of the way. All right, but a term that is uh, used in popular culture to talk about a word, it it could be a buzz phrase, a word or a phrase that uh, has almost lost its meaning, that just sort of is used like in a business context. The word synergy, for instance, is a word that, well, I mean, if you know the definition of the word, you understand what it means and why that word became popular in business circles. You might see it in, uh, in a business workplace on one of those uh, posters on the wall. It might be, you know, some kind of group activity, maybe a, a handful of folks that are skydiving, you got their hands joined together and the picture's taken in midair and it might have synergy, you know, plastered across that picture. And, uh, and just the picture and the word is supposed to communicate this motivating idea to the folks that are there Uh, that they ought to uh, work together in a way that is going to create a result that is greater than the sum of the parts. All right? That's kind of the idea. But it just becomes a buzzword. And so people have heard it so often uh, used by motivational speakers or they've seen those posters on the wall or something like that. And so they'll get in a business meeting and they'll talk about the synergy and that meeting was so great without ever even thinking about the meaning of the word. And maybe uh, it doesn't even really apply to what they were doing. That's, That's a buzzword. And there are a bunch of them in our culture. And uh, keep the faith. Keep the faith is a phrase that has become sort of a buzz phrase, so to speak, a buzzword in phrase form in our culture today. Uh, you can hear, you know, just any time, any time, someone in just about any context in our culture talking about how uh, whatever group's being discussed, how, how we need to keep the faith. It might be a football coach talking to the football team about their chances of winning, you know, the uh, championship and, you know, the, the spirit that they've got together in their, in their desire to overcome the obstacles and win football games and run the plays in the right way and, and uh, you know, read the plays of the opposite team and, and, and counter those with a defense or whatever and talk about this motivational idea that the coaching staff has tried to invest in that team and you might hear the coach uh, talking to the team, trying to get them fired up, and he might tell them, we've got to, we've got to keep the faith. 
keep the faith. And that might be the statement that he would use, which would be, well, a buzz phrase. That probably most of the team would not actually stop and deeply think about what that phrase actually means or where it comes from. It just has sort of been taken out of the context and applied to a situation in order to be motivational. All right? Now, I want you to kind of keep that idea in the back of your mind because as we return to our series one today, we talk about the seven ones of true religion from the book of Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six. We've talked about one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord. We're going to talk about one faith this morning. And it's very important that we pay close attention to what the Bible teaches about uh, faith and what faith truly is. Well, here's our text. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. All right? There's our text. And that's what we're focusing on in this series today, tonight, and also next week, Lord willing. Well, let's think about what faith actually is. And this, this is a, a little bit of an abbreviation of the Strong's Dictionary of New Testament Greek words. And these are the definitions of the word faith as it is used in our, the New Testaments of our Bibles. In fact, this is the definition of faith in the whole of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Faith is belief or conviction of truth or of the truthfulness of God. Faith is belief or conviction trust, we might say, with regard to the truth, especially the truth of God. Uh, for instance, we read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 and 6, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Another version says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and the conviction of things not seen. Another version says, and being certain of what we do not see. And without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please him, that is God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe, must believe that he exists. But it doesn't stop there. Must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so when we read Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 6, we see that believing in God is the foundation of faith, but it is not really faith until there is a trust in the character of God, in the truthfulness of God, and in the fact that God does not lie, and that he will keep his promises. So we see this there, and we see those words, assurance and conviction. You know, it's not just a buzzword to say keep the faith, if we're using that term in the biblical way. It's something that we need to understand the meaning of and think about very carefully. All right? So uh, there's the first part of the definition of faith, but the definition continues, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. If we believe in God, and are not just believers in God as most people frankly in the world are believers in God in one way or another, but if we believe in God the way that can be actually labeled as faith, saving faith, biblical faith, true faith, then we trust the character of God 
We know that he's going to keep his promises. We build our lives on the expectation that God is going to do what he has said that he's going to do. And that is all going to find uh, it, its, its absolute crux. The, the point of this is going to lead to us trusting in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus as our hope for salvation. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ our Lord. You know John 3 verse 16, perhaps the most well-known verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. Well, the third part of that definition of faith, constancy in such profession. I, I like the old-fashioned way that that's worded there, the very formal way that it's worded there. But let me translate that into modern English. It means keeping the faith. It means that you come to this trusting belief in the Lord, especially in the promise that he has made through Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, and that you continue in that faith as long as you live. It is not biblical faith or saving faith unless it endures. Listen to what the word has to say about this. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 36. For you have need of endurance, the, the inspired writer says, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Do you hear that? But we... I hope this speaks about us, about you and me, right? But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith. That is, constancy in the same, who continue in the faith, who keep the faith. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And so, we're, we're learning the depth of the definition of faith from the biblical perspective. And we understand that it is also the system of religious or the system of gospel truth itself. And so it's belief in God, specifically belief in God that is deep enough that we trust God. We trust in his righteousness, his truthfulness, the promises that he has made. That leads us to have faith in Jesus Christ. It is not the faith unless it is in Jesus Christ. And we understand that we must continue in our profession of faith as long as we live. And we, we understand then that this faith that we believe in, that we trust in, that we're living in and continuing in, is in fact the whole of the biblical system. We could call it the faith. And so when a football coach says, keep the faith, he is borrowing a biblical term and using it for something for which it does not rightly apply. Now, I'm not saying that the football coach is sinning by borrowing that statement. I want you to think about what the Apostle Paul said to some of the idolatrous Greeks when he was trying to preach the gospel to them. He reminded them that God did not leave himself without witness, but did them good, giving them rain and fruitful seasons. In other words, they were pagans. They didn't worship the one true and living God. Didn't believe in him, didn't trust in him, didn't yet at that point in time look to his son and trust his son for salvation. And therefore, they certainly weren't continuing in a faith that they had never yet embraced. But the Apostle Paul is preaching the truth, and that is that God, in spite of their unbelief, had absolutely filled their world to brimming over with evidence of himself, of his truth, of his goodness, and of his love. Romans 1.20 testifies to this. The invisible attributes of God are clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. God 
never leaves himself without witness. And so we have buzzwords that are originally biblical in nature. I mean, some of them are not. But we have lots of buzzwords that are biblical in nature that if you're paying attention, if you're listening carefully, you cannot watch an evening of television. If you watch two or three hours of television in an evening, you will hear something that originates from the Bible being used by people, spoken by people, said by people, referred to by people on most nights. And most people don't even notice it. Most people aren't paying attention. Those of us whose ears have been opened by the Word of God to pay attention to the things that matter in life will hear it and recognize there it is, God bearing witness to Himself. There it is, God bearing witness to His Son. Any of you watch uh, the, some of these talent shows? Uh, the wife and I watch The Voice, and it, it almost never fails that there's someone on the show every season who is a, a very dedicated believer, and, and they're going to sing a gospel hymn at some point in time. And I'm always watching because, you know, the tendency of the secular world today is to say it's okay for you to talk about your belief in God. Uh, the controversy that, uh, this is years back now, but with, uh, you know, Duck Dynasty, the bearded guys, in the first season or so, uh, they would always have the family prayer at the end, and he would just say, Amen. And, and, and later we found out it's because that the producers of the show were just clipping that video and cutting out the in Jesus name part. But after the family saw the first season and they saw that they were cutting out the Jesus name, that didn't happen anymore. The rest of the show was in Jesus name. Amen. You see, the culture of the world is absolutely comfortable with you, you know, believing in God. As long as it's not specific. As long as it's not exclusive. As long as it is not specifically about Jesus, man, you can believe in God all day long. But I always watch these shows, and I appreciate when one of these people sings one of these songs that specifically preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think, again, what the Apostle Paul said, it is true today, God has not left himself without witness. He continues to see to it that our world is absolutely filled with the evidence of his truth, of his love, of his goodness. There is absolutely zero excuse for any soul living on this planet today not to be a true faithful believer in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The whole system is a testimony to the faith of the gospel. And so Jude, the half-brother of our Lord, writes in Verse 3, his, his letter, only one chapter, verse 3 of that letter. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for, notice the wording here, the faith. Not just to contend for faith, as in everybody ought to have faith in something. Well, everybody does have faith in something to, to one degree or another, one extent or another. But that's not what Jude is talking about. The brother of our Lord says, I, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. You see, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. There is only one true faith. And that is the biblical faith in Jesus Christ, the one true faith. Lord, nothing else, no other use of that term, no buzzword adaptation of that term is truly, ultimately worthy of the concept. There is only one faith. And finally, we see there uh, what the one faith is summarized. The one faith is one belief or one trust in the one true God, which absolutely must include belief or trust 
in his only begotten Son as the only Savior. Which belief or which trust must endure to the end of your life on this earth, and which is the source and the subject and the aim of the whole biblical system truly understood. This is why I say sadly, those who are our friends, the physical descendants of Abraham, those who are Jews according to the flesh, they have a faith in God. They have a faith in God that we might say is even to one degree or another biblical. Uh, because those that are conservative, you know, Bible-practicing Jews, well, they believe in the, the whole of the 39 books of the Old Testament, and they're striving to practice the faith that was revealed. But that faith, if you understand it, always, constantly, and still does point to Jesus Christ. And this is why Paul says in the uh, 10th chapter of the book of Romans that Christ is the end of the law. He's the end of it, the aim of it. It points to him. You cannot be a person of true faith outside of faith in Jesus Christ. There is only one faith, brothers and sisters. There's only one true religion, brothers and sisters. There is no other. There is no hope apart from Christ. And we're going to see the relationship of hope here in just a moment. I want us to go a little deeper into Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't recognized that this passage forms a chiasmus. It is a chiastically structured text. And that again, those of you that have heard me preaching on this before, uh, it comes from the Greek letter chi, or as, uh, you know, frat boys say, chi, you know, but chi is the Greek letter that looks like an X. And so the chiastic structure in literature is uh, an organization of the thoughts that kind of form this X pattern. And so as you form this X pattern, there's parallelism. And so you have A, B, C, D, and then back to C, back to B, back to A. Those that are following along in the Uversion app, I, I put the A, B, C, D in there just to make this abundantly clear. So we have uh, parallels A, body and God. Lord willing, we'll talk about that next week. We have parallels B, spirit and baptism paralleled. Lord willing, we'll talk about that tonight at 6 p.m. We have parallels faith and hope there, parallel C and D, of course. The crux of it all, Jesus. Do you see how... Interesting that is, and there's always something deeper to look into in the text of the Word of God. Well, let's focus on the Lord. We talked about the fact that there is one Lord last Sunday evening. I'm not, of course, going to re-preach that sermon, but I, I do want to continue now for the rest of this series to, to make sure that we are emphasizing the fact that, that all of these seven ones of true religion are focused on Jesus. He is the bullseye. You could render a chiastic uh, parallel passage with, uh, with, with concentric circles like a target, and if you do so, the bullseye, that's Jesus. He's the center of everything. There is no body without Jesus. You don't have access to God without Jesus. You don't have the Holy Spirit without Jesus. Baptism is into Jesus. There is no hope without the Lord Jesus. There is no faith that is truly worthy of the word faith apart from Jesus. Jesus is the center of everything. If you're going to be a person who is believing in and living out the seven wands of true religion, Jesus has got to be absolutely the bullseye of that target of your life. He is everything, the center of God's plan. And you see then, we talked about the one hope last Sunday morning. We talk about faith now. It's very difficult to, to separate faith and hope. The two are very closely tied together. And so this passage parallels them. Hope and faith, 
They're on that same level as we think about what life is like in Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love are the holy trinity, if you will allow the term, of virtues. Faith, hope, and love, the holy trinity of virtues. Historically, they have been called the theological virtues. There are the theological virtues and there are the universal virtues or the cardinal virtues. And historically, those are the way that folks divide up the virtues that we read about in the Bible. The theological virtues are are those that are not really celebrated by everybody universally, but they are celebrated by people of faith specifically. Faith, hope, love. Listen, I want you to think about this. This is kind of the, uh, the theological truth that is underlining underlying, rather, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Christ is love embodied. You know, John the Apostle says in 1 John 4 that God is love, right? Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the embodiment of everything the Father is. He is God being a man. Jesus gives us the definition of the greatest of all possible loves. He says, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends, right? That's the gospel, that our Lord laid down his life for his friends. Jesus is the absolute embodiment of love. If you want to know what love is, you can look at Jesus, think like Jesus, speak like Jesus, act like Jesus, and you are being love. That's how love is to be understood and defined. Faith in Christ establishes hope. If you don't have faith in Jesus, you will die in your sins. John 8, verse 24. Jesus said it plainly, unless you believe that I am he, that is the Messiah, you will die in your sins. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. We've got to be absolutely sold out for this truth and sharing it because the situation of those who are outside of Christ who don't have a faith in Christ is in fact hopeless. Even if they manage to become billionaires in this world and have a beautiful family life and everything is charmed in every way, if they leave this life outside of faith in Jesus Christ, it's all ash and dust and death. No hope outside of Jesus Christ. All of the virtues theological and cardinal alike. All of the virtues, every virtue that we read about in the Bible is one in Christ. And therefore, all virtuous, truly virtuous people are one in Christ. Period. There are no truly virtuous people outside of covenant relationship with Christ. Or do you not understand Romans 3 verse 23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only virtue, my brothers and sisters, that you have in your being comes from the Spirit of God given to you by the authority of the one and only risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The only thing good about you in your fallen, sinful state is the Jesus that is in you. And therefore, all truly virtuous people have been made virtuous by the grace of God that comes through Jesus and are therefore one in Jesus Christ. Listen, brothers and sisters, these seven ones of true religion are far more important doctrinal truths than I think many people even in the church give credence to. This is absolutely essential stuff and the center of everything. 
So let's go a little forward now. Since we've seen then in the chiastic structure of Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, that the, that the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, parallels hope and faith. Let's think about comparing hope and faith. Both are essentials. You won't, you won't make it to heaven without both hope and faith. You've got to have both to continue to live a life that is loyal to Jesus Christ. Both are temporary. Faith is temporary. You know, folks that haven't thought this through sometimes are like, what are you talking about? Faith is, tempor- faith is temporary. Faith is knowledge that is based on evidence, but it's not based on sight. And so when we see Jesus coming in the clouds, and I guarantee you we all will, when we see Jesus returning and we see him in the clouds, then we will no longer live by faith. Then we will live by sight. Because from that point forward, we, we will be in the presence of Jesus and he will be leading us directly rather than, you know, through the written word as he leads us now. And so we follow him by faith, not sight, by faith. The testimony of the word of God. But when sight comes, faith will have accomplished its purpose and will be no more. The same thing is true for hope. Who hopes for, for what he sees? <laughs> the biblical writer even says so. We hope for what we do not see. We hope for the return that has been promised. You see, faith and hope are connected in this way because both are concerned with the trustworthiness of the Lord and the fact that we're looking forward to him keeping his glorious promises. And we hope for the day. Not that we wish the day might possibly come, and we hope that we've been right about this, but maybe there's a shred of possibility that we've been wrong. That's not biblical hope. We talked about that last week. It is absolutely the reasonable expectation of good things to come. In other words, just as faith is not wishful thinking, it is knowledge based upon credible testimony, not sight but based upon credible evidence. So hope also, true biblical hope, is based on reason, purpose. It's based upon biblical evidence, biblical testimony, credible testimony, the kind that could stand up in any true and objective court in all of the world, as the Bible has always been able to do. You can't refute this thing, not with reason, not with logic. It's the Word of God. And so there's reason why we have hope. And so we look forward to the day, don't we? I hope that we do. If you really understand the promises of God, along with the biblical writer, the way the the, the last words of the Bible are, amen, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all. Last words of the Bible. (laughs) So if you are strong in faith, now if you struggle with that, okay, doesn't mean you're not a believer, but the strong in faith can amen every word of Scripture, right down to the last syllable. And there are a lot of folks in the world that are not ready for Jesus to come back. And I'm sensitive to that. And I'm actually thankful that I'm not the one that gets to decide. And I will tell you this, I do pray, come Lord Jesus, just about every day. Because I don't want that delayed any longer than it has to be delayed. I know 2 Peter 3 tells me that I am to count the long-suffering of the Lord is patience. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why Jesus hasn't returned yet, because God is still extending the time, the opportunity to give people the chance to put their trust in Jesus so that they can be saved. 
And I know enough about the character of the Lord. Jesus longs for us to be drawn together with him in the eternal kingdom. Jesus longs for that. We are his body, that uh, the fullness of him who fills all in all, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. That's who we are, and the Lord wants us to be with him. That's always been his plan since Genesis chapter 1, to be together in one place. God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Spirit indwelling us all, his people living in blissful glory in paradise with him. That is God's desire. And so I know the only reason why Jesus hasn't come back yet is because there is still somebody alive today right now at this moment who he knows can come to him and will come to him in faith and be saved. I don't know when he's going to come back. I don't know when that last soul will be saved and come up out of the It may be the case that the last person ever to be saved comes up out of the waters of baptism, dripping wet with a smile on their face and the trumpet of God. At that instant, wouldn't that be something to be that soul? Imagine being a million years in glory, still meeting maybe a few of the glorified saints that you haven't gotten quite well yet to know yet, and saying, oh yeah, I'm the one everybody's been talking about, the last one that ever got saved. You know, every time someone yields to the truth of the gospel, they're possibly that person. And every time someone hears the gospel ably taught and says, no, not today, they may be embracing a destiny that is entirely the opposite of the glory of the last person that may be saved. Because just as there will be a last person who ever obeys the gospel, there will also be a last person that said, not today, not today. I think we should take that in and think about that very carefully. There is no hope apart from faith. Both are temporary. They have their aim at the return of Christ. Both are states of mind and being that result from trustworthy evidence, and both look to the same source. So let's contrast faith and hope now, because obviously they are distinct ideals, even though they are paralleled and inseparably connected with regard to the, to, to the teaching of the Bible. But there are some differences. Hope looks forward to the time when promises will have been kept. Faith trusts that those promises will be kept. That's why the two have so close a relationship, but they are in fact distinct terms. There is no hope without faith, and that's the point that we've got to get across when we think about the one faith. And there is no faith without Christ. There is none. You see, the world uses faith like a buzzword. They might talk about the Muslim faith. Well, a faith is only as good as what it is in. Faith and trust, synonyms. Trust is only as good as what you're trusting. Think about uh, uh, some of these uh, high-profile investors, got these Ponzi scheme guys that have gone down in the past, you know, 20 years that have been big news where people have invested all of their life savings in these guys, and they trusted in them. They were supposed to be the best investors in the business, and if you put your money in with these guys, man, everything was going to be great. And so they had faith in these investors. They put their trust in these investors. Were they people of faith in one sense of the world? Well, of course, everybody puts their trust in something. And so in one sense, they were people of faith because they trusted in someone's promises, that those promises were going to result in their blessings. But, but they trusted in lies. 
and they lost it all. You see how that works? It's not okay just to say, oh, I have faith in something. Who cares what a football team has faith in? <laughs> I'm not being hard on football. I mean, you know, be a fan if you want to be a fan. But at the end of the day, who cares what a football team has faith in with regard to the championship or not? What difference does it make in eternity which football team wins? None. Make sure you keep football in the proper place in your life because of that. Keep the faith. This team of CEOs, they're going to build this company into the greatest company that has ever existed. We're going to keep the faith, that buzzword. We're going to keep the faith about the vision of this company. At the end of the day, what difference does it make how rich you are when you breathe your last? If you don't breathe your last in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, it is dust. Man, it is dust and ashes. You see why there is one faith? There is only one faith because there is only one being who, who exists that you actually can trust to make sure that your future is secure. Muhammad can't do it. Muhammad himself died without hope. The Buddha died in his sins. The Baha'u'llah died outside of Christ. Why would you follow dust? And why would you follow ashes? Why would you put your trust in dust and ashes? I put my trust in the one who conquered death. God the Father did not allow his bones to see corruption. Amen. He didn't rot in the grave. He overcame the grave. And that is the gospel. And that is why faith in him is the only faith, brothers and sisters. And so Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 points to the Lord Jesus as the center of everything. <laughs> the body is His. He sends the Spirit. His resurrection is our glorious hope. He is the one Lord. <laughs> the faith is in Him. Baptism is into covenant relationship with Him. And the Father is first His Father, and then it is only through Jesus that we have access to our God and Father. Jesus is the center of everything. Uh, the one faith is in him and it is only through him that we have hope and so brothers and sisters in Christ these seven ones of true religion are absolutely essential bases of our right standing with God and of our fellowship with one another they position us in the place of salvation and so brothers and sisters these seven ones of true religion are absolutely essential means and motivations for living out everything properly called spiritual we practice them if you are a virtuous person you are in Christ period there's no way to be virtuous outside of the one who can cleanse you of those sins that make you vile Matthew 7 13 and 14 maybe no one's favorite passage I don't know but it's true. The one himself, the one in whom true faith finds its trust, its hope, its object, said, enter by the narrow gate. 
For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You see, that's the truth. It's not a buzzword. That's the real hardcore facts about the one faith. It's only hard if you're determined that, that you're going to live life thinking that there are a diversity of hopes. If you're not going to think about what really matters, if, if you're going to spit the dust and ashes out of your mouth and drink from living water, then it is not so hard at all. I, I love one of my favorite passages, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. We've already uh, read it and thought about it in this series, but here it is again. Jesus says, come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's his promise. He's the one that's going to do it. You don't have to earn your rest. You cannot earn your rest. It is given to you as a gift through Jesus Christ. He says, take my yoke upon you hard in the sense that there are rules that we must follow and obey and a Lord that we must uh, show our reverence to. And our, Yeah, I guess it's harder than just doing whatever your, your flesh wants to do in life. But man, this yoke is really not all that hard. It's, it's easy because he's gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. And that's the truth of the gospel. It's a beautiful and wonderful truth. And so, beloved, we who will be saved, who are and on judgment day will be lastingly saved, settle it in our minds. Are you listening? This is the application here. We settle it in our minds. It is done, it is solid, it is final. It is settled that there is one body, that is one church. There is one spirit who temples within this church. There is only one hope, that's in Jesus Christ. One Lord, that's him. There is only one true faith, that is trust in the finished work of Christ as your hope of salvation. One baptism this evening, 6 p.m., Lord willing, and one God and Father, brethren, we cannot compromise these seven fundamental, vital, essential truths of the faith. And if we do not compromise them, we can't fail. We cannot fail. Thank God for the truth of the gospel and the seven ones of true religion. I've preached enough of the gospel today so that anyone here who is accountable old enough to understand right from wrong, you know you've done wrong, you know you deserve to be punished for it. If that speaks to you today and you haven't embraced the one Lord Jesus by confessing his sweet name, turning your life over to him in repentance and obeying the commandment to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, the water is ready, it, it should be warm, I trust that it is, you can become a Christian today. And be a partaker of the hope through the one faith that is ours together. You'll join this family and you will learn how good and sweet it is to follow the one whose yoke is easy and burden is light. This morning, if you are a baptized believer that needs the prayers of this church, the front pews are open. Come as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at lavernecoc.org. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.
or the truthfulness 